Cincinnati. Welcome to episode 205 of Cincinnati, the Bengals UK podcast. My name's Paul Hirons, fresh-faced. No, I didn't stay up for it, uh, but I know plenty of people that did, including my co-presenter, my partner in crime, um, Nathan Palmer. Nathan, you, How you doing, kind of, yeah, all right, you kind of stayed up for it, didn't you? And yeah, when I say I it, I mean the Super Bowl, obviously. I binned it at half time. I just, I cut a long day at work and I just couldn't get it off. And I thought, oh, you know, it's getting, a, it was a very long first um, first half. And I just, I bottled it some, but watched the full rerun of it today. Fantastic game. And I am glad I didn't see it through to the end. Yes, it was a fantastic game. The Chiefs are the Super Bowl champions yet again. Uh, any consolation in the fact that we lost to the adventure to the you know we pushed not just lost but pushed the eventual winners of the Super Bowl right down to the wire? Any consolation in that? Do you think? Oh, I think so. And we had our chance, didn't we? And we've had our chance two years in a row where not a lot would have needed to happen for us to get past the Chiefs and the Rams. We know that. You know, we took them down to the fourth quarter in both games, had the ball at the end with a chance to do something. And when those teams go on and win the Super Bowl and they're stood there at the end celebrating, it does. I did feel watching the whole game, there was a slightly, you know, soft spot in the stomach as to like, whoa, it could easily have been us in this game. But you know what? The, the Chiefs won. They played a good game. They did what they needed to to win. They didn't really deserve to win. I'm not going to just. I'm not pointing the finger at the refs at the end, even though that was a very questionable call. Oh, but the Eagles barely, call, the Eagles it? barely put a foot wrong in that game. And yeah, the only yeah. thing they did, the only thing they did do wrong, and it cost them, was that the fumble return for a touchdown. That, and yeah. we talk about it with Joe Boy about how good he is with ball security, and he rarely makes silly turnovers, pick sixes, but. If you're the Eagles, you have to look back at that and just say, look, we did pretty much everything right here offensively apart from that. And even defensively, I don't think the Eagles were terrible. Um, but that game, that play for me is, you know, just a complete game changer. Decent field position, just running a pretty standard play. You give the ball to Nick Bolton, he runs it back and just completely turned the game on its head. He had a great game, actually, Nick Bolton. But yes, oh, I, yeah. I agree. The, um, the fumble... And obviously the return for a touchdown, and then Kadarius Tony's uh, uh, punt return. Um, yeah, that was that was, that a, was a game changer as well because the uh, incredible fourth quarter by the Chiefs, like you say, the the, the the Eagles didn't put a foot wrong. Jalen Hurts was playing well aside from that fumble. Uh, wait, wait, he kind of just 
was anything forced? I can't remember. I don't think it was forced, was it? it was Not really. Of... It was Nick Bolton sort of running at the geezer when it was yeah, yeah. to escape the pocket a bit. And then he just, as he was like sort of changing hands with it, um, just dropped the ball and it bounced pretty kindly into Nick Bolton's hands and he off he went. But yeah, fair play for Nick. I mean, he, Nick Bolton in some ways, he was everywhere last night. I mean, yeah. and he had the touchdown. You know, arguably he could have been the MVP the way he played last night um, and yeah it was yeah. Pat Mahomes you know obviously the, the the banner player really and you know I think just for his mental toughness obviously his ankle was in trouble at the end of the first half but yeah he came out and he had a crucial run um, deep into that uh, fourth quarter um, on that dodgy ankle I mean most Bengals fans will be listening uh, and thinking oh I don't want to hear about all the Chiefs yeah. and the because they hate them. Everything I po- I've tried to be as neutral and <laughs> as you know congratulatory as I possibly can from a Bengals UK standpoint on Twitter. But everyone's going. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to. I don't want to know about the Chiefs. I don't care. I hate them. I want them to lose. Yeah. Lose. I want them to rub their faces in the dirt. <laughs> and yeah, there's a lot of hatred out there for the Chiefs and. Um, but I don't know, you know, you've got to be neutral, I suppose, if you can. With the a lot provide. of credit to Andy Reid at half time, considering they were down yeah. by 10. Mahomes they looked as though they were going to lose that game, to be fair. Yeah, 100%. The Eagles have been absolutely fantastic, apart from that, you know, the fumble. But they've just been so well oiled. Jalen Hurts, fantastic. He's throwing the ball well, running it well. They're dominating anything short yardage. The Lions are playing well. And. That's where Andy Reid, you know, you're on your chips is you go in half time with a hobble quarterback, you come back in the second half and you score on every single offensive <clears> possession <throat> you have. It's very, very impressive and you have to take your hat off there. Yep, and yet it came down to a very, very, very questionable call. Um I mean it was negligible. Negligible yeah. that holding call, wasn't it? Bloody as same as Logan Wilson's last year, I have to I have to say at the end again at the end of the Super Bowl. Um but it was like you know, I've no question that the the Chiefs would have scored a field goal, even though uh uh Buckner missed one earlier, doinked it. But I you know, you gotta you gotta fancy him from that range. But it would have left the Eagles like a minute and 30 odd seconds to to go to try and get down the field so it's a case of ifs and buts and maybes really but yeah very questionable call I I mean the refs kind of blew it on that one and you hate to see it especially on on a on a on a stage and a time of the game that big you know the season was on the line uh, and yet we're talking about refereeing decisions again. And Yeah, uh, I'm never a big fan of pointing fingers at refs, especially with the how sort of intricate some of the calls are in the NFL with holding and bits and pieces like that. But what I would say, I'm not against a rule change in the playoffs, maybe where, where penalties, you may each team maybe has the chance to review one call in the fourth quarter, like no matter yeah, what it right, is. Yeah, right, right. So, because I think you don't want you don't want it in the regular season where every game's getting you know all sorts of challenges and you know you're reviewing everything. But I do think when teams have worked as hard as they have to get down the lot stretch in the playoffs and it all means something. If you get a really terrible interference call, a personal foul call, whatever it might be, holding as in the case last night. If you've got a, a challenge up your sleeve for either team in the fourth quarter and you put it down to the teams, you say to them, look, you got one challenge, use it wisely here. Um, I, I, I really do think that might be a 
good addition where yeah i wouldn't be against that really Um, yeah but all all i say this about the hold for me it was barely a tug or a touch but james bradbury came out after the game and said look i tugged his jersey and yeah exactly i I didn't think he was going to call it uh and mike Pereira has listened to mike Pereira on the rich rich eisen show today and he said it was a definite hold. You know, I I'm not quite sure what all the fuss is about. And this idea that you let something go in the final minute of the... I mean, he was pretty angry about it, about this idea of refs just kind of letting it go, uh, especially, in the, you know, back in the final seconds and the minutes of of a Super Bowl. He was, he was like, no, you just can't do that. You have to call it. You know, you have to call it. Uh, but from my naked eye and my stupid brain... Um, it was very, very negligible, I have to say. But uh, i tell you what that does mean, Nathan, after last night. Go on. Another season is in the books. It's officially over. Yeah. Um, and, and from a Bengals point of view, bringing it back to the Bengals, um, it's been another terrific season, I think. Um, at the start of this Season, I think we both said, uh, you know, you could say that the Bengals uh, would have a good season if they got through to, well, for me, it was qualifying for the playoffs. And then, as we know, anything can happen. We got to, we got within seconds, minutes, whatever you want to say about that AFC Championship game of, of getting through again. So, for me, it was a really, really great season again. A lot of fun with all the fans. I mean, just from a Bengals UK perspective, We've had another banner year, you know, kind of passing 10,000 uh, Twitter followers for, for all that's worth. Um, uh, record amount of meetups during the season. They've been a lot of fun. So thanks to everyone who's come out and watched games with us. Um, you know, the fanzine's been going strong. Uh, 200 episodes of this here podcast. Uh, it's been a, It's been a lot of fun, hasn't it? It has, and back-to-back, very, very exciting seasons that have given football meaning in January for us, which I don't think we can say for a long, long time. And it just sets that bar even higher, doesn't it? Especially with Kansas City winning it last night. We've we've only lost to the two teams in the last two years that have lifted the trophy. And I think people's expectations next year, you said this year, you know, maybe another visit to the playoffs, another visit, you know, potentially um, to a title game. But next year... I, the way you hear it sort of bobbling up with a whole, I was very bubbling up with a whole cap um, situation and everything going on. It, it feels like the Bengals are all in next year, and that's the sort yeah. of narrative going around, which is going to be very, very exciting. And it is yeah, it's yeah. difficult. You know, you, you have these years where um, teams are, you know, you say teams are going to go all in, and you always, this is going to be the year, and, you know, it doesn't work out for them. There's a lot of teams every year that you can't believe end up having a rough year when they've got a good team and teams having a very good year when you think they've got a bad team. So you, you, nothing's guaranteed here. You know, you've got to make it, make sure it comes together. But one thing's for sure next year, I don't think Bengals fans hopes will ever um, be as high as they are going forward. No. And I tell you again, just mentioning the chiefs again, apologies listeners, but um, they have provided the blueprint, I think of how to win with a star quarterback on his second contract. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, now that doesn't. I mean, they, they've been criticised for uh, not having star wide receivers. They picked up odds and ends, and that's the way it's going to be after Joe Boy's contract kicks in. Yeah. 
uh, in a couple of years' time. We're not going to be able to spend, spend, spend like we have done, but certainly um, we have to try and make sure uh, that we capitalise on this this rookie window, you know, uh, Chase Higgins is still on the rookie, uh, still on rookie deals. Joe Boy's new contract, even though it's likely to be negotiated uh, in this off season, that won't kick in until a couple of years' time. So there's still two seasons worth of fun to be had in terms of signing and all the rest of it. Do you know what I mean? So yeah, they've got to be all in. Yeah. They've got to be all in. This team's very, very close. Um, but as I say, the Chiefs. It helps having someone like arguably the best quarterback of his generation. Well, not arguably, certainly the best quarterback of his generation, I think. You can, I mean, he's up there as probably, you know, at the end of his career, he'll probably be thought of as one of the most uh, fun to watch, enjoyable, you know, kind of innovative quarterbacks in 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 NFL history I'm talking about Pat Mahomes so it helps to have a player of his calibre as quarterback and it helps to Andy Reid I was going to say and it helps to have a coach that's uh, one of the best to ever have done it um, because they schemed stuff open like crazy and of course you could probably add add Kelsey to that as well arguably the best tight end of all time so if you've got those pillars in place you can certainly build uh, some sort of team around it the one thing that I noticed last night, trenches, man. Offensive lines both played yeah. extremely well. I mean, the Chiefs didn't give up a sack against that Eagles, you know, fearsome pass rush. Hassan Reddick, who was sacking people for fun during the regular season of the playoffs, I mean, more or less took over the game against uh, San Francisco. And yet uh, they couldn't, I mean, they got pressure on him at certain times, but they didn't sack Mahomes last night. So I think it just... You've gotta, you gotta, you gotta, 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 gotta get that offensive line sorted out. Anyway, right. Um, we'll come to that in a bit. Uh, this episode will contain a bit of a look back over the season. Really, uh, we're gonna have a couple of weeks break after this. Uh, we've obviously got free agency coming up uh, mid March. We've got the combine a week or so before that at the end of this month. But yeah, we're gonna have a couple of weeks off and. Um, digest everything that's happened take a break take a breather uh so this feels like a really good opportunity to look back on the season maybe grades some position groups as we've done in the past and go through our players of the year which we posted last week but it worth it's worth uh, discussing them i think um first we've got a some great news that came out of the nfl awards um over the weekend, uh, Thursday night actually, Ken Riley was finally confirmed as uh, an inductee into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. I was quite emotional on that Friday morning when I read, just because, you know, we put a lot into, you know, like most fans, but, you know, as an organisation, I guess, we've really tried to raise awareness about Ken's uh, credentials and um, we've had Ken Riley junior on this podcast before no doubt we'll have him on again uh and just seeing him up on stage accept that accolade on behalf of his late dad uh was just really emotional i was really choked up on friday morning and couldn't have been happier um it's just such a shame that he's not around to to see this and to feel it and to and to enjoy uh, all the accolades that have been bestowed upon him, you know, and I'm going to say it: shame on the NFL for waiting so long 
Uh, and I'm going to say it, shame on the Hall of Fame for, for, for waiting so long to put him in, vote him in. It's uh, it's pretty disgraceful, really. Um, uh, but when it comes down to it, um, yeah, delighted, delighted for Ken himself, delighted for the Bengals, delighted, uh, you know, ultimately for Ken's family. So... Um, Great news, we should be watching that uh, induction ceremony uh, in August, no doubt, with uh, immense pride. But it was, yeah, just really great news. Oh, 100%, completely echo that. And the one thing for me just to say on it, you mentioned it a little bit there, was it's made a big difference what the Bengals have done from a marketing and honouring their former players' perspective. I agree, Because (laughs) the the ring of honour that the Bengals have introduced, putting him in straight away... That's a fantastic way to raise awareness and um, and things like that for players of the past. And the fact that he was straight in there, you know, one of the first players in there, highlighting what he'd achieved and what he'd done for the game. Um, that's a big thing. And that was mentioned and referenced on um, his induction, the fact that he was part of the Cincinnati Yeah, Bengals and I think honor. you're right. It does make a difference, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And full credit for him getting in and hopefully um, him getting in as a, as a Bengal and the work the Bengals have done to really try and highlight um, some of their former players will hopefully um, bode well for other players who are also very deserving of that. So Yeah, yeah 100% because, uh, I mean, we're not going to stop um, campaigning and raising awareness because we want Ken Anderson in and we want Willie Anderson in who didn't quite make it. He was a finalist this year, but... Yeah, we want those guys in because I certainly do and I know many Bengals fans certainly believe that uh, the Andersons, Kenny and Willie, are both hugely deserving. This is not, I mean, you try and be as objective as you can. You want to see your guys in the Hall of Fame. But when you look look at their credentials, it's kind of, you have to scratch your head and kind of think, what the hell? You know, why, why, you know, Kenny was an, a league MVP and he, he held so many passing records um, around the mid to late 70s that it's just beggar's belief, really, especially when you see some of the other names in there. Um, and Willie as well, finalist this year. You know, I know Bengal Jim has, has kind of campaigned heavily on this and he's managed to get some really fantastic. Uh, Former players like uh, Warren Sapp and Michael Strahan to to ad to advocate uh, in video form uh, Willie's credentials. So hopefully, fingers crossed that um, it won't be too long um, um, that those two guys uh, will be joining Ken uh, Riley and uh, of course Anthony Munoz. Great to see him introduce Ken Riley Jr. onto the stage. Um, so yeah, here's to you, the Rattler. Um, great news and fully deserved. Right, yeah, yeah. right then. Uh, last season, we published our players of the of the year. Should we go through them, Nathan, and what? you can give us your two pennies worth. Let's start with the play of the year. And I think there was only one. I think there was one standout winner for this, and uh, so we we gave it to. Him. Don't want to complicate our lives here unduly. So, um, Sam Hubbard and his 98-yard fumble return versus Baltimore in that uh, very tense playoff game. If you remember, Baltimore down at the goal line. Uh, the scores were tied, I believe, and then um, the ball, uh, Tyler Huntley tried a bit of a, a quarterback leap. It really didn't work. Uh, Logan Wilson punched the ball out straight into Sam Hubbard's hands and 
off he went and it was run sound run and um there could only be one of a player of the year really well, that was uh a real game changer i think do you know what's funny about that play is if he doesn't make that if that ball goes six eight inches further and there's a touchdown I'm not sure we'd have won that game. We weren't playing well. We were really on the back foot. The Ravens were dominating it a bit. and It's such a season-defining play as well because if you hadn't won that game, you'd sit there and you'd say, <clears throat> well, actually, it weren't a great season. You know, We're back to square. We've lost in the first round of the playoffs to a, the backup quarterback of the Ravens at home. People would have been angry. They'd have been saying, look, what, what's happening here? It was a rough game the week before against them, against their third-string quarterback. It wasn't particularly thrilling and you'd see it as a real waste of potential and because of that play the the uh, Paycor Stadium went absolutely bonkers you end up winning the game not not particularly convincingly but you win it and that gives you the opportunity to go into Buffalo and win the best game I've seen the Bengals play in God knows how long possibly ever and that gets you to the AFC title game and as you said at the start of the show that's a great season. That's a really exciting season to come within two minutes of beating the eventual Super Bowl champions. You look back on that warmly, and that is purely and solely down to Sam Hubbard making an extraordinary play like that, going the length of the field, turning the game on its head. And yeah, you you cannot overestimate. Oh, sorry, you cannot underestimate just how big that was. Couldn't agree more. It's also the sort of play that we'd normally be on the receiving end. Of. Oh no, right, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was a whole, it was a real soul crusher, wasn't it? I mean, for the Ravens, yeah. and you, you had to laugh at that, really. Uh, performance of the year, <laughs> lots of great performances. You know, Joe Boy was in there. Higgins had a really good year, um, but again, I think this was this was this was a bit of a no-brainer, and it was Joe Mixon for his 153 rushing yards. And franchise record five touchdowns against uh, the Panthers. Uh, in the middle of that, you know, kind of untouchable run, Falcons, Panthers, you know what I mean, where we looked unstoppable, really. And, um, you know, we saw that the running game had struggled a little bit for most of the year. And then for that uh, game, certainly in terms of production uh, for, for yards and touchdowns, Mixon just exploded, didn't he? And... Uh, Again, I don't think you can query that, really. Um, uh, Mixon's performance against uh, the Panthers was just simply, you know, sensational that day. When a man scores five touchdowns in a game, he wins the best <laughs> right. the best game of the year, doesn't he? That, and you've got to take your hat off to the geezer. There's not many times that's going to happen ever um, in the NFL, let alone for the Cincinnati Bengals. So full credit to Joe for that. It's an absolutely insane performance. Yeah, it was, and uh, illustrate. It's a funny up and down year for the running game. We'll come to the running back grades in a little while, but um, let's go on to coach of the year. And uh, I have to say, it's quite tough. I thought Zach had a good year. I thought, um, you know, you could you could say something about Marin Hobby. You could say something um, uh, about James Betcher. You could say something about most of the coaches. But I think Lou. Uh, he won the award for coach uh, coach of the year, and I, I, again, I, I, it's not a no brainer because there was increased competition, and I think the coaches generally had a good year. They start like the rest of the team; they they started off slow and took time to adjust what other uh, teams were were kind of playing against us with, you know, in terms of defense. Um, but Lou again just came to the fore, and you know, 
pulled out some classic wins, you know, some classic shut that second half shutdowns, second half adjustments, you know. Um, so yeah, I mean, second year in a row, Lou Anarumo. And it should be noted, we're recording this on Monday the 13th of February. We still don't know if Lou is going to be around next year. Uh, from the reports I've seen, the Cardinals seem to have settled on a defensive head coach and it is between, according to those reports, between Lou and uh, the Eagles' um, defensive coordinator who they've been interviewing today, uh, Jonathan Gannon. So, I mean, obviously I hope that uh, they give it to Gannon and we get Lou back for another year and uh, that would be great because the news came out that Brian Callahan had been eliminated from the Colts head coach search so he's back on board for another year great news and Dean Pitcher had been eliminated from the um, Tampa Bay offensive coordinator search so Dean Pitcher is back um, so we've almost got the full band back together. It would be fantastic if Lou, I don't know, I, I, mean, I wonder if if the Eagles and uh, Gannon losing that Super Bowl to the Chiefs last night didn't really do us any favours. I wonder if that's the case, you know. Um, you'd, you'd like to think they'd make it on a bigger sample size than that. I mean, you are yeah, against yeah, Kansas sure. City. It's a difficult, difficult game. He's a young guy, um, isn't he? He's only 40 years old, so... May I think they? I think the rage now, isn't it? Just those young coaches. Not to knock Lou, you know, he's what mid fifties, um, and in some ways he's a much more experienced choice, and he's been fantastic for a couple of years now. But like you said, if we can retain him, it's massive because it's already um, mid February. You got free agency coming up um, in about a month's time. I mentioned the combine in a couple of weeks. Exactly. And it, you know, if Lou goes, then you're kind of back to square one in terms of like, right, how do you replace him? And you mentioned in last week's son about hiring internally. At least those guys know the roster. They know what we need, but having Lou there, um, who knows this defense better than anyone, he'll know already who he's looking at, what we need. And he'll be focusing on next season. Um, even obviously with this Cardinals interview. So it would be massive with not only um, this window with the contracts and the cap and everything, but to maintain the core of your staff, considering you've had a very good couple of years now and people um, love to sort of jump in and steal members of staff. Yeah, yeah. Um, it would be very useful for us. Yeah, I really do think continuity of staff is so important, almost as almost as important as retaining some of your best players, um, which sounds a damn... Yep things to say but you know the the machine is well oiled now they know exactly yeah. what they're doing the experienced players know what to do when to do it um, do, do you know what else is also <clears throat> massive for us is that Lou will know that if he has another big year and the defence plays well as will Callahan, they will know they'll be front of the queue for a head coaching job coming up if you put another year's worth of quality performance on tape there's going to be a team next year if we're a you know, deep in the playoffs team, or we win the Super Bowl, whatever. But the, you know, either side of the ball's playing well. Joe Boy's slinging it about with some creative play design, and um, you know, ups his game even further. And then on the defensive side, Lou's able to account for losing people like Jesse Bates, and you know, he's able to bring on rookies like Dax Hill and Cam Taylor Britt. There's going to be teams out there, you know, frantically knocking at the door if they've had a bad year. So they'll be motivated for sure to put uh, you know as much as they can um on tape and work as hard as they can so that that bodes in our favor as well 
Right, let's get on to... We've hedged our bets. We've taken the easy option. Uh, we normally have one, just one rookie of the year, but we thought we'd have to split this this year because it was a really tough decision to pick one. So the offensive rookie of the year is Cordell Volson. I don't think anybody would argue with that. There's not much competition on the offensive side of the ball. But he had to be recognised because it's very, very rare that you get a rookie mid-round um, offensive lineman from a small school who just walks in, makes that job his own. Was he an all-pro? Of course he wasn't. But did we get very good production from him? Absolutely. So Cordell Volson is our offensive rookie of the year. And our defensive rookie of the year was Cam Taylor-Britt. And I think... I mean, what a, we've said it before, what uh, an addition to the team in terms of personality. He's not called Juice for, for nothing. He's, he lights up a room. He's, we've had him on this podcast before. What a guy. Um, and, you know, he was injured for the first part of the season, came back, made some rookie mistakes. But then when, it, when we got to the playoffs, he was, he, you know, it, he was playing ridiculously well. And there's a few stats out there about... Um, how many receptions he allowed and all this and all that and it was off the charts he was playing extremely well I think we might have uh, you know, got a, a, another starting cornerback here um, opposite Cheeto when he comes back um, uh, so yeah I don't think you can really argue uh, about that you know Zach Carter had a quietish rookie year but then came on much better in the second half and certainly towards the end of the season. So he's one to watch next year, I'd say. Dax Hill had some nice reps, nice snaps uh, in coverage uh, when he did get the chance to play. He didn't play that often, but when he did, um, I was quite impressed with him. Although Andrew Dockerell in our... Uh, in our, uh, we're going to be publishing uh, his uh, kind of end of season grades for the rookies uh, next uh, this week at some point. And um, spoiler alert, he he was a bit concerned about the penalties that he was giving away on special teams. But I thought in coverage generally he looked pretty good. So uh, can't wait to see uh, him. Couldn't really say much about Jeff Gunther, I don't think. But certainly we split that because we thought it'd be very, very difficult to choose between. CTB and Cordell Volson for overall Rookie of the Year. They were both terrific for, for slightly different reasons. 100%. And you're looking for those guys to take a step forward next year. If this team's going to compete and keep getting better, you need production from these rookie classes. We've seen how detrimental they can be in the past. Well, did you, you see how up. much? See how many rookies the, the Chiefs are playing last night? No, exactly. exactly. You know, they got you, some real production from their rookies. No, exactly. I mean, Pacheco was, has added a you know dimension to their offense. They didn't have that last year with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. And he's just come in, taken the job, and he was phenomenal last night. You know, he, he allowed them not just to rely on the arm of Patrick Mahomes. So you look at the guys we've got, you look at Dax Hill, Cam Taylor-Britt, Cordell Volson, got a, a decent amount of playing time between Britt and Volson. But you're looking for Dax Hill as well to come on next year. You're looking for a guy who wasn't a rookie on paper this year, but it kind of was in Joseph Asai. Uh, to come on next year so it's going to be exciting to see him grow and you know like you said some of those other guys on there that didn't get as much playing time this year get a camp another camp under their belt hopefully they can take a step forward in training camp and um you know get some playing time as well but certainly if you were to sit there at the start of the season and say look Cordell Volson started pretty much every game he's been 
pretty good and he's going to go into next season with a year under his belt um the jobs he's for next season you say bloody hell we've done well there same with cam taylor Britt, and then obviously dax hill gonna be a step up for him he didn't really show a huge amount but and he's replacing a pro bowler in jesse bates or you know a, a borderline pro bowler so that's one to watch but pretty exciting and a, a fairly good haul you'd have to say at this point most improved player of the year. We decided to give that to Trenton Irwin. And all you hear about Trenton Irwin is that he's first there at the facility every day. He works his nuts off. Uh, he keeps on smiling. And this year came good for him. And I think that was the neat thing about this year. Some of the depth players really came through. Like Cam Taylor-Britt when Cheeto went down. Uh, like Trenton Irwin made some really important catches uh, in that middle of the season when Chase was out built a rapport with Joe Boy and um, yeah again I think this is a fairly nailed on uh, uh, a nailed on uh, award really for Trenton so um, the smiling beardy man gets most improved player of the year well done Trenton uh, player yeah, yeah, yeah I have to agree with that I think then yeah you're the only other the argument really offensive is not necessarily one maybe on defense you'd look at um Mike Hilton but then has he improved or has he just sort of maintained that level yeah, yeah. um D- DJ reader in some ways I mean he you know possibly took his game to another level I thought I thought this yeah. year and played um extremely well um other than that maybe a sigh could just be you know he improved from what obviously he didn't play hardly at all but you know but yeah I think well deserved for Trent and Irwin and you hope that he can sort of build on that um, for next year and really carve out that sort of number four spot for himself uh, players player of the year more, you know, it's more like a fans player of the year the, the, the players that really um, fans can identify with he was the heart and soul of the team may not be the best player but he's he's got a personality that fans love and we obviously gave this to CJ Uzama last year but this year it's Ted Karras um uh, just as soon as he as soon as he walked into that locker room by all accounts um you know he was leading the Hooday chants and you know that incredible outburst at the end of the Titans game I think swung it for us but he seemed to be a real spokesperson the lead you know one of the real leaders of that dressing room infectious personality hyper positive personality good fun again we've had him on the, on the podcast um does it swing it for him that he's been on the podcast you think for next year if any players are listening if you come on the show you might have a little bit more of a i mean there is talk inside we, it's all very well doing some fancy graphics for these uh i don't know if you've seen it out there listeners but we did like a a pixel art kind of 1980s a video game theme for our uh, awards artwork this year uh, we should really think about doing trophies really so the, the guys can get something in their hand not that they give a fuck about them, do you know what I mean but although uh, a couple of the winners did like our social media tweets so there we go but maybe we should think about uh, having some sort of prize uh, anyway, Ted Karras, I think, um, well done, Ted. Uh, you know, fuck you, Tennessee, and all that kind of stuff. Uh, special Teams Player of the Year. A few nominations for this one. It's been a bit patchy for special teams. Um, Marcus Bailey played very well on special teams this year. Um, 
Obviously, Uncle Mike Thomas, Mike Thomas the Elder, shall we say, uh, had another good year. Uh, Cal Domitis, I think, deserves a special mention. You know, after the uh, absolute fugazi of week one, um, he came in and he did a really good job for an undrafted rookie, I thought. Do you know what I mean? I, I thought he did really well, Cal Domitis. So, fair play to Cal. But we went with Trent Taylor, the um, uh, the punt returner, who was pretty consistent all year and actually came fifth in punt return edge, uh, averages uh, throughout the league. So Trent Taylor is our special teams player of the year. I like that. I like Trent. I, I think he's proud. Of, there was one fumble, wasn't there? But apart from that, I thought he... He ran the ball well. He, he picked up more yards than you, you thought. He's not necessarily the most dynamic threat like an Adam Jones was back in the day where he would shift one way or the other, do a bit of a spin move and, you know, might do a lot for not a lot and then would break one for a touchdown. But he's a very solid, reliable guy. And I, most of the time he gets the ball, I'm, I'm given a firm round of applause for what he, what he brings back. So, yeah, I think that's a, a well-deserved award for Trent. Defensive player of the year. It's DJ Reader, and as regular listeners will know, I need no excuse to opine about the sexy virtues of the big man in the middle. Um, Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. I mean, I think even though Hendrickson didn't get the sacks that he got last year, he had a good year. Sam Hubbard had another good year. I thought BJ Hill was terrific uh, towards the back end of the year. one was fantastic as well. Uh, Jermaine Pratt had a really, really good season, I think. And I thought Von Bell played very, very well uh, this year. Again, just made plays when the team needed it most. But, you, I mean, DJ Rio, I just thought, was played such a uh, an elite level. The way he was shedding... Where the, the way he sheds blocks, the way he, he kind of gets out of double teams... Uh, the way he kind of sets the tone for the rest of the defence up front, um, you know, I just thought he was fantastic. And, uh, yeah, um, I think that was a unanimous version uh, verdict, I should say. Offensive Player of the Year and Player of the Year overall, we've gone with Joe Boy Borrow. No real surprises. He's just been voted uh, MVP by, um, by the uh, professional... Uh, uh, Beat Writers Association um, uh, for Cincinnati, so no real surprise that uh, that we've done the same. You know, if you're looking at offensive players of the year, I'd add uh, Alex Kappa and Ted Karras in there as players of the year. Uh, I would also add uh, T Higgins, who I thought was terrific uh, this year. Uh, I'd maybe give Samaje Piran a shout. I know you don't hold him as quite in. Uh, high esteem as I do, but you know there was a bunch of people that played very well on offense. Hayden Hurst had a good year. Um, uh, Jamar Chase would have had a fantastic year again uh, if it wasn't for that injury in the middle. But obviously Jamar, Jamar, and he played really well. But yeah, you can't really go wrong with Joe Boy for those main two awards. I don't think. No, not at all. I mean, he, he's fantastic year. He had another four and a half thousand yards. You know, thirty-five touchdowns. Ran the ball well as well. That MVP, uh, MVP kind of uh, uh, nominee. MVP yeah, exactly. nominee. I mean, you know? Total forty touchdowns. You forget he had five on the ground as well. A bit of an underrated part of his game. Um, he, he's your franchise, isn't he? Um, 
and he played well. He played very, very well. Maybe a smidgen below what was needed for the, the league MVP. I think rightly so. He, he didn't win that, but he had a case for sure. Um, but you can't argue with that, can you? I mean, you saw Carson Palmer coming out this week saying he thinks that Joe Boy is the best quarterback in the league. Um, bold claim. I'm not sure I'd say that just yet, but I, I certainly think he's top three. And yeah, he, well, he absolutely deserves um, the award. And I know you gave a shout out there, son, across the offense to some players that had a good year. He's quite comfortable for me. You know, obviously, Jamar Chase would have been probably your logical number two there, but him missing the games was a shame. Teagans, like you said, did well, but I think it's Joe Boy in a landslide for that one. Yes. Let's go through. So there's our players of the year. Uh, it's just a bit of fun, really, uh, but it's nice to mark the end of a season with our end-of-year awards. And um, we've got our Pub of Honour awards coming up uh, this week or next week as well. I haven't quite decided yet. And if you haven't seen that before, that's something that we introduced last year. Uh, a bit like the Bengals' Ring of Honour, but a, a much more irreverent version, more sort of fan-involved uh, what were the people and the moments that uh, we'll remember from this season? Uh, we'll be revealing the inductees. Last year it was the Mike Cart uh, in our inaugural year of the Bengals UK Pub of Honour and uh, uh, Leanne Fitzpatrick's dog Seaweed, who uh, <laughs> it was amazing during one of the meetups, uh, the playoff meetups up in Manchester. So it was Seaweed and the Mike Cart. That should give you some idea of the, the type of inductees we're looking for. Uh, we've got a couple of corkers lined up for this year as well. Um, so, Nathan, um, let's go through the position groups, shall we? Let's do it. Right, let's start with quarterback. Um I mean, you've got to give uh, Joe Boy an A, I think. He had a rocky start to the year, I thought. But, again, just the way he developed and mastered his craft and evolved as a quarterback, his his, uh, his ability now to see the whole field, not just look for the big play. That, that comes down to scheming as well, obviously. But... Um, the way he can just take the easy check down to move the move the chains, uh, he's a lot smarter with the football. I think doesn't hold on to it quite as long as he did last year and, and invite so many sacks. So it was really fun to see him evolve this year. He, he broke more records. Uh, I mean, it's a definite A. I mean, would you give him an A plus? Do you think? Because that's all you can ask for. I wouldn't because I think A plus is MVP of the league, and he, he is a very slightly short of that. You have to give him credit on the basis he didn't have a proper preseason again this time. Obviously the appendicitis. He also missed a few players throughout the year. You know we talked about Chase being out for a couple of games. Joe Mixon missed a couple of games. Back end of the season there was various components of his offensive line that went down as well. So you know you give the geezer. A full team next year with a preseason and a proper training camp, and you'd say to him, "Look, son, go and just add a bit of ten percent on to what you did this year, and you're going to win twelve football games, aren't you?" Because he's that good. So an A, I, I don't quite think an A plus almost says that you couldn't possibly do better. I think there's still more in Joe Boy's tank, and that's more of a testament to him as a player um, that he can go even further than the excellent season he had this year. Running backs, Mixon, P. Ryan. Mixon was uh, injured for a bit. Again, I thought P. Ryan had a really good year, but 
Um, I'm going to give them a C plus. I think. Am I? Yeah, I was sort of on the fence. If C C plus, it, it, you know, they averaged about four yards a carry between the two of them, which is all right. Nine touchdowns. The stats are padded a bit by that massive game that Mixon had against um, the Panthers and. Other than that, at times it was a bit anemic. You do have to take your hat off to how they both played against the Bills. You take the postseason into this. Mm. It was an incredible performance in that game, running the ball in difficult conditions. I, I, I'm somewhere between a C and a C plus, and that is a position group that I have. I know we talked about it a bit last week that I have question marks for moving forward as to sort of how that room's gonna gonna develop, but. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's I'll a tricky one, isn't it? The more, the more, a lot of people are talking about it. The more I think about it, the more perhaps it would be, you know, time to say goodbye to Joe Mixon. Uh, and then I'm torn because I still, you know, I just don't think the Bengals are going to do that. You know, it's just not something they do with players that they love. You know, they really do. One of their faults, I think, is is keeping players too long, and um, and that comes from a good place. You know, they're loyal. It's not necessarily a bad place but um yeah the more i think about it the more you know value you look at pacheco you look, there was a list yeah, of the running backs that had won uh who were on the super bowl winning teams uh from the past sort of 20 years and there's no superstar running backs on 10 million plus contracts a year you yeah. know yeah. uh pacheco last night on his rookie a rookie you know the the um the likes of Legarrett Blunt and um, Leonard Fournette and all these other guys, you know, people that you completely forgot about that were either on rookie deals, were kind of, you know, on two million a year deals, you know, and yeah. yet they still did a fabulous job. So I think it just illustrates the value of running backs in this league. Yes, some are superstars, Saquon Barkley's. Uh, old Chubbers up in uh, Cleveland, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But there, there's a really big question coming uh, uh, this off season. I'm intrigued to see how that's going to work out. Wide receivers. I'm giving. I'm going to. You can't give anything less than an A. With Higgins had another really good year. Chase was on was on course for another thousand yard plus year. Boyd was really good, and then you had the emergence of Trenton Irwin as well. Um, yeah, nothing. Nothing nothing less than an A for that wide receiver group. I thought they played really well. Ooh, I'm going to give them an A-. minus. Oh. I was oh, going to give them a B plus, but I didn't want to upset you, son. No, um, you can upset me. It's all good. <laughs> I thought they did well. I, you know, Trent Irwin did all right. I mean, he, he came out of nowhere a bit with the four touchdowns. He ate 200 yards. Of, you know, fair, fair enough. Um, I think maybe... His impact slightly overstated, but he did have a good back end of the season, in all fairness to him. The rest of them, I mean, Boyd had 750 yards, five touchdowns, again, solid from him. Maybe, I mean, there was talk about, wasn't there, all three of them getting the 1,000 yards. They were close in the end. Obviously, Jamar Chase missed a bit of time. T. Higgins had a good season. Um, I think A-, minus. I, you know, you'd... you'd I'd love to have seen what could have happened if Chase had the full year. Yeah, uh, yeah, definitely. You know, I think that might have propelled a few people's stats up. 
Um, Tyler Boyd's the interesting one because he had a pretty good year. I thought he played well in patches. I know he had his finger injury and missed a bit of time with that, but he's someone that I'm sort of intrigued to see how he does next year. He's been with a team a long time now. He's well, that next season's final year of his contract. Season. So, that, again, you've got a big question about a fan favourite, a real stalwart who's been there here since you know six, seven, eight years. Do you know what I mean? Um, yeah, do you do you do you, he's on a decent-ish deal but again you know you're able to look at the cash hit the cap hit rather do you go for anyway another big question for for him yeah Not... but I, I go a, I go a minus they're, they're a great group of lads extremely talented I, I don't think in the history of this franchise we've had three like one two and three receive with more talent across that you know it's it's extraordinary group of lads that if they keep going for the next year or maybe two years but certainly next year you're gonna have a very good chance with Joe Boy slinging it about I would like to see a little bit of depth added, a bit of competition, a bit of depth, yeah, something I, I a bit agree different, with that, uh, something a bit, bit yeah. you know, certainly building for the future again, uh, and I think that comes in the draft this year. Right, tight ends. I'm going, I'm going a B for the tight ends. Um, I thought Hayden Hurst had a really good year. Um, gave us exactly what we needed and wanted from him. Again, was out injured a few games in the season. Uh, so, you know, his production was pretty good, though. Uh, and I thought Mitchell Wilcox came on um, quite significantly, actually, and played a, a good role. Now, there are discussions. Uh, a lot of people want to see his take. Uh, the, the draft is tight and heavy. Uh, the question is, do you keep Drew Sample? Uh, and do you take a... Uh, tight end in the draft a real game changer because we've seen Kelsey uh, uh, Goddard made some incredible catches last night um, oh, yeah. and again you know once fans see these tight ends on other teams they're like we've got to have one we've got to have one of those game changers we've got to have one of those game changers but you know um, so there's that argument but for now I, I thought they did pretty well this year this tight end group obviously uh, CRC was signed um, did okay, um, uh, but yeah, uh, I think I think we got what we needed and wanted from Hayden Hurst this year, and he was a real addition personality-wise uh, to the locker room. So yeah, I'm going to give I'm going to give that uh, position group a B. Well, I'm going to be harsh because it's nine o'clock and I haven't eaten. I don't know if maybe that's because the way <laughs> I'm being so harsh in these grades. I'm going to give him a C. Okay. Um, I thought Hurst did well. Him alone, I'd take my hat off to the geese. I think he came in, he did well. He was a good replacement for CJ, 415 yards, two touchdowns. It, you'd say pretty good performance. He stepped up in big moments as well. He, he played with a lot of heart, a lot of aggression, a lot of effort, and I, I give some my hat off to him. I'd quite like to see him back, but I, you've got to invest um, in competition for him because if he goes down, I'm not sold on Mitchell Wilcox at all. Um, Asiasi really didn't we really didn't see a huge amount of him and a real shame I think is Drew Sample you, we're really always looking for him to come on he's a great guy good in the locker room you'd hope with CJ going this year might be his start, uh, chance to sort of step up and really give Hayden Hurst a run for his money and he ended the year with minus two yards which um, is yeah really disappointing and I, I don't think that he'll be back next year so you've got to be looking for a tight end in the first couple of rounds. I'd be interested if they want to have a look on free agency and see if there's another guy they might want to bring in. But 
I, I really believe on this team you want to have two decent pass-catching tight ends just as a bit of an insurance policy because it is a position around the league that is becoming more and more uh, prevalent in the receiving game. You look at all the top teams, you look at San Francisco with Kittle, you look at Kansas City, you look at Goddard, you look at um, Schultz over in Dallas. A lot of those teams going pretty deep in the playoffs have got a big threat like that. You look in our division at Mark Andrews, a fantastic tight end. So... Hayden Hurst is a very good player. You know, you probably stick him middle-ish of the pack, maybe just slightly <laughs> below that. Um, but, but like I said, behind him, it, it's a bit concerning. If you could get him back on a fairly cheap deal um, and then draft someone fairly early on, I'd be very happy with that. But yeah, I'm going to be a little bit cynical and say C from me. Okay, okay, hard man's please. Uh, okay. Uh, the position group that uh, attracts the most amount of debate and... Uh, no doubt we'll debate now. Uh, the offensive line. Oh, it's hard. Isn't it? <laughs> I know, right? Because if you'd have asked me, sort of in the middle of the, se- I mean, it was a, yeah. it was a season of almost three seasons for that offensive line. Leo yeah. Collins came in, Alex Kappa came in, Ted Karras came in, uh, Cordell Volson came in. It was a pretty much full sail retooling exercise. Leo Collins was, every, you know, got everyone excited by his arrival because of his reputation and his fantastic play. I don't think it worked out for Leo. Not just the injury, where he's desperate and unlucky to get the injury. Uh, but he did settle down and show some of his um, uh, the reasons why we signed him sort of mid-season. Uh, but to begin with, he was he was really struggling, man. And the whole line was struggling to gel, and you know I know it takes time, and but when they did, they looked much better. And then we were giving Joe Boy time and Kappa throughout. Actually, I thought Alex Kappa was very good, and Karras was pretty consistent. Jonah Williams was having a bit of a, a mare on that left. The two tackles were having a really horrible time, and then things really settled down, and they looked like a proper unit, you know. Still not amazing in the run game, but certainly pass pro much better. And then the back end of the season, Lael gets injured, uh, Alex Kappa gets injured, uh, and then it all goes to... I mean, they had a good game, actually, against Buffalo, I have to say. A really good game. And you thought, hold on a minute. Um, But then, you know, just completely overpowered and overwhelmed in that AFC Championship game. So there's still, I mean, we, we're going to go ahead, heading into the draft by talking about drafting another offensive lineman or two. Do you know what I mean? Look, I mean, I don't think they're going to, we'll see. We talked about this a bit last week, but in terms of a grade, I'm going to give it a C minus, I think. And that might be generous. I don't know. Just from that, you know, three, four, five game period in the middle, when that you know they started off horribly, settled down and played really well, and then you know there was there was catastrophe in the playoffs. So yeah, C minus I think. I was going to go a bit higher and give them a oh. C, but I I think listening to you, Sonia, is a convincing argument. You do, you know, Joe Boy did go down quite a lot this year. The run game we talked about perhaps wasn't as explosive as you'd want. They got some of the right, the free agent pickups of Kappa and Karras, fantastic ones. I think they're guys you want to see on that team, really strong leaders, pretty good value in terms of their contracts, I think, for what they bring to the locker room. Collins, it was a shame he got hurt. It felt like he was just finding his stride. 
Um, so I think they found some answers there. But you're right. You know, as soon as they went down, I mean, ultimately it cost us, didn't it? You know, you, oh, you'd yeah, say it yeah, cost yeah. us in the Super Bowl the year before, and it cost us in that title game. They couldn't stop Chris Jones um, and that pass rush coming from Kansas City. You know what? You chuck some of those guys back in there. You get your Kappa back in there. You get Collins in there. You sort that line out and give Joe Boy a little bit more time in that game. And that could have been the difference. But I'm going to give him a C minus. I'm going to go with you, son. Okay. I was going to go C, but you, you talk me around. You're such a persuasive man. There you go. Silver tongue devil I am. Snake oil salesman. Um, right, let's whiz through the defence. I know you're gagging for your tea, Nathan. It's nine o'clock. Oh. My stomach's rumbling, so it's going to be picked up by the camera. Uh, by the, uh, the microphone. <laughs> right, uh, defensive line. I'm going to give it an A minus. Thought Reader was terrific. I thought uh, BJ Hill had a really good season in the back end. Uh, I thought Hubbard had another solid year. Hendrickson had another really good year. Um, you know, I loved Jay Tufeli when he came in. Uh, I thought Cam Sample contributed yet again. Um, Josh Tupu was a bit of a, you know, a silent, quiet guy in the middle there. Depping for Reader had another solid year. When Reader went down, those guys stepped up and played really, really well. Uh, I think BJ Hill is, is sort of, you know, really coming on as a leader of that team and as a player. Um I still would like a bit of sizzle on that defensive line. That's what's it, it's just what it's missing. One guy, one yeah, I agree. Sort of semi-game wrecker away from it being just an absolutely monster unit. Um, so I'm going to give it an A minus. I think. A B to B plus from me. Uh, a little, like you said, I, I, it does lack that potential pizzazz at times. Sack numbers. Hendrickson led him with eight, and then it's Hubbard six and a half. Nothing crazy, but it felt better than that. The tackles for losses yeah. were good. You felt like they, no no rushes really went off against us. The defense played extremely well. But you're right. I, we could use a player on that line coming in, be it a rookie, be it someone they get in free agency, just to give it a bit of extra spice. Um, but yeah, I'm going to settle on a B minus, I think, for the guys. Linebackers. Uh, B minus, B plus. I'm uh, uh, sorry, B, plus. B plus. Okay, right, right. So not too far away from... What is the difference between A-minus and B-plus, by the way? B-plus is good. A-minus is very good. Okay, very good. Thank you. I give the answer an A-minus, Nathan. Um, <laughs> <laughs> linebackers. Uh, I thought they were great. I thought Pratt had a career year. Really brilliant. Uh, Logan, he even outshined Logan Wilson, and he had a solid year, I think. Really good. Uh, Marcus Bailey and ADG, the return of ADG, you know, he had a good year. Uh, Bailey had a good year. I'm going to give them an A. I thought they were really, really good. They were very, very good. I'm going to give them an A-. minus. I really want Logan Wilson <laughs> to turn into just a all-pro, pro ball, just an absolute dominant beast. He played very well, and he, he led us in tackles. I thought he had a great season. Obviously, he talked about Pratt, but I just wanted Logan Wilson, this to be his year, where he really just sort of took the league by storm and really broke through. And I, like I said, he played very well, but um, not. I don't think they were quite at the level of some of those other extremely good cores around the league, like here in San Francisco and stuff. But yeah, yeah they were a, they're a great unit. I give them uh, a minus. One 
room that may see some changes this off-season, depending on whether they re-sign Pratt. Um, so we may be looking for a, a new linebacker. Uh, I'm still not convinced ADG is the man to take over Jermaine Pratt if he leaves. I still maintain they're very different players. Um, so we'll have to wait and see. The secondary. Now, I really feared, because Chido Awuzie was playing you know, at a Pro Bowl level, no question, when he went down. Uh, people almost forget how good he was last season. I mean, he really played very, very well. Um, and on the other side, we had Eli Apple, you know, doing okay, doing as well as he could. Uh, and that's not meant as a, a tabbing him with faint, faint praise, you know. Um, Jesse and Vaughn doing their thing. I thought Jesse had a, a, another good season. Outstanding at times, you know. Um, Von Bell, I thought, was very underrated. Dax Hill coming in. Mike Hilton having another good year, although he was targeted in that AFC Championship game. Um, I really feared for them when... Um, it's such a well-oiled unit, do you know what I mean? And I think yeah. Jesse Bates uh, spoke about this uh, midway through the season, that these guys know each other so well and uh, know what their roles are. Their communication is second to none. So I really feared when Cheeto went down and, and CTB came in and there were moments, you know, when they did get caught out and there was a few blown coverages and I thought, oh God, here we go. But the way they rebounded and the way they were coached uh, by Burks there, the secondary coach, I thought he had a good good year. Um, I thought they're just terrific. And, uh, you know, occasionally that it's the NFL, so occasionally you're going to get chunk plays. But we didn't, we didn't let much uh, up, I don't think. And we played some real quality receivers. Um, none more so in that, again, we keep harking back to that Buffalo game. But Diggs didn't go crazy during that game. Um, you know, it was. It, I thought they were really good. I'm going to give them an A again. I think, you know, there's obviously room for improvement. I think, uh, I think we may be on the lookout for another rookie cornerback in this class, perhaps, just to kind of build up some depth. Uh, it remains to be seen if Eli Apple comes back. It's very likely uh, that Jesse Bates doesn't come back. But, you know, Dax Hill can slot in and, and next year will be Dax's year. But, yeah, I think this year they had another good year, A, for me. I thought they were really good. B-plus from me. I, I thought they were good, but they really did play well. It's a shame with Cheeto. It's really on the verge of it for me being a B-plus, A-minus type situation. Again, no absolute elite all pro type standout players in there um but as a but unit I, though as a unit that's what i mean but i mean you, a b plus a minus is very very good you know it's a good that it epitomizes the whole defense if you said to me like every grade we've given out has been somewhere between a b plus and an a yeah yeah 100 is that unit it's not necessarily a top five defense but it's damn damn definitely for me a top 10 defense and it's a very very good team solid unit not many obvious weaknesses good players across the board um it's not like the offense where you've got like an elite player like joe boy and jamar chase and then you've got a pretty you know weak offensive line and you know that that's sort of costing you teams can try and scheme around it i think across the board on this defense they're very very solid and you know b plus is an excellent grade so um yeah somewhere between that and a, an a minus again for me um for the boys and just to finish this off, special teams. Um, I didn't think it was a classic year for special teams. Evan struggled. 
you know, obviously... A lot of penalties, a lot of penalties. A lot of penalties, a couple of big, chunky returns. Um, you know, solid in the return game, both in, in Travion, with Travion and uh, Trent Taylor. Uh, Evan had a patchy year, I thought. Good, but not nowhere near as dominant as his rookie year. And in some way, that's not bad, because he, he, he's now experienced the real highs, and not the lows, but the... You know, there was a few conversations that we had, didn't we, during mid-season when he missed a bunch of field goals and extra points. Uh, obviously, Kev Huber struggled. Christman came in, had his moments, but, you know, at the end of the day, he didn't... I'm not, I think there's a, there's, a, there's a real discussion to be had there as well. So I'm going to give it a C-, minus actually. I agree with you, Sam. Evan, in some ways, gets... I don't know if it feels a bit harsh just because we expect so much from him, but he did have a, you know, a miss from inside thirty. I mean, that, he cost. Oh, it's hard to say he cost, but the special teams unit cost us that game against the Steelers without question. And part of that's down to an injury and, you know, difficult circumstances. But it's hard to really pinpoint anything that went massively well on that special teams unit. You'd say Evan McPherson five out of five from fifty yards. He did kick well from distance when it mattered, but. Missed four extra points, missed a field goal from inside 30 yards, 9 of 13 from 40 to 49. That's not, he'll tell you, he's not going to be happy with that. So, the return game, we said Trent Taylor was okay, did lose a fumble. Um, maybe, like we said before, a standout of that unit. I thought Travion actually did okay. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, when he did get a chance. Um, but, yeah questions there not forever and you hope that he comes in next season and he irons it out and he's more consistent because that's the market you, you can be a flashy kicker and bang him from 57 59 60 whatever you think he's capable of but the greats are just consistent you know they're, yeah they're just, i think that's it it's just consistency yeah. now he was great it was very consistent last year this year very inconsistent i think yeah uh, let's rattle through just a few of your correspondence. Memphis Soul Stewart, Stuart Baird, 688. It's going to sound like a broken record, but the O-line needs to get sorted as well as depth. Once we lost starting players, the depth fell off a cliff. Can't wait for the Formula One season to start now. Um, Peter Danswell at Dadders. Pleased that the draft saw us find two immediate starters and still positive that Dax Hill will make three. Volson looks like a solid addition, excited at the high ceiling of CTB, and much more to come from him. Here, here. Uh, Sean, a disciple of Ange. Uh, the obvious step-ups are ADG and Dax, given they're likely to be starters. Keep Lou, and I'll be relatively confident we can make a run again. Um, Rob Hill, surely this season... Uh, Shocking handle. <laughs> well, no, because it is next. Is it next season now? Officially? Not quite. Not quite. We're talking about a month away. A month away from the new season. We're still a shocking handle at the minute. Yeah, then. Yeah. What do you think is our weakest position group? Quite an interesting question, I think. From your questions, I think our depth pieces were the greatest positive for me. An airy before the season that I thought was a worry. My player of the year would be between Burrow, Von Bell, and DJ Reader. Thank you, Rob. Uh, That's a good question, isn't it, the weakest position group? Because you'd probably say the line, but actually there are some good players on that line. It's just a lack of the depth behind them that's yeah. the problem. But would, you, would you still say that's the weakest position on the team, Sam? Yes. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> 
it is tricky because you say, I mean, a lot of people are convinced that we're going to draft uh, an offensive tackle in the first round. Um, I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised if we didn't. I think there will be some depth signings or draft picks on that line. Is it the weakest group? Well, if you compare it to um, uh, quarterbacks, wide receivers, you know, all the all the A's that we've given then you'd have to say, yes, it's alongside, you know, the special teams unit at the moment um, as the weakest. And normally the special teams are really, really solid. Um, so, special yeah. teams is hard. It's not a position, is it, in its own right? You wouldn't yeah. say, I mean, you could argue punter in some ways, but again, it's perhaps a bit harsh on Drew. Um, yeah, but he needs some work. He didn't, he, he started off relatively well, but I think we mentioned it's the hang time. He needs some he needs some hang time. And uh, actually, that brings me to another announcement. Watch out for... Uh, I think we're going to be bringing back the uh, Combine Challenge where we're asking you to undertake a challenge, an American football challenge, and send in your video. So look out for um, um, for some stuff on social media. Uh, obviously, we're on Twitter, at 2 underscore UK, Facebook, Bengals UK Instagram Bengals underscore UK um, so look out for that challenge and it is it is likely to be uh, about um, the thing that we've just been talking about but yeah hang time for Drew Chrisman that needs to be drastically improved but you saw that kick last night that Kadarius Tony did that um, you know return that punt that was a really shocking punt as well so it's not just, you know, our, our lad that's inconsistent. I think that's the key with the special teams. It's inconsistent at the moment, and you want it to be more consistent. Um, finally, Karis of Steel at Karis of Steel. Solid handle. Uh, OL is a must, as is OL starting talent, I'm afraid. Collins wasn't very good, and Volson was adequate. But we should seek improvement. Primarily, though, we need an interior defensive lineman who will scare the families of the opposing quarterback. My hot take is that the front office needs to step up. Any easy and affordable upgrade can be made at the running back position. But I'm hearing a lot of pundits say they'll keep mixing. Their decision with him will tell us a lot about what to expect. It's a good point. Um... I keep toing and froing on this, but all the evidence suggests that, you know, and the the way Mixon was running, even, you know, I don't know, there was just something not quite right with Mixon this year, and I can't put my finger on on uh, what it was. Um, do, do you know what? Do you, I think just going back to the point about the front office, just super quickly, that they've evidenced in the past that they can go out and make smart moves. They've done it, it really well the last two years. We've talked about it at length. You, the one thing I'd like to see them be slightly more aggressive at is in the trade deadline mid-season when you can see yeah. what's going on, be a little bit more aggressive there because you look what the Chiefs did and you look what the Rams did the year before. The Rams the year before went out, tooled up, big style, brought in some good players, won the Super Bowl as a result of it. You look what the Chiefs did. Now, subtle, but Kadarius Tony for them was yeah, a really, really big piece. And when it mattered last night, he returns you a punt return for 40, 50 yards. And he scores another the... touchdown as well. 
Exactly. So, and he was he was instrumental for them in the playoffs. He played really, perhaps not against us because he got taken out early, but in the games before that, he was a really big part of their offense. He gave them a bit of you know a bit more um, a bit more speed and a bit more agility, um, and really stepped up. And that's what sometimes I think the Bengals maybe need to be a little bit more aggressive on is. Teams are having fire sales out there. You potentially think, oh, you know, Tyler Boyd's got a knock or whatever it is. Don't be afraid to go out there and make a move to make yourself better. Um, that's one thing I'd say. No, I agree, and that's what the Bengals. I mean, I mean, I think it's fair to say the Bengals aren't very good, aren't a trading team. I think we've we've read articles in the past from the likes of Paul Daniel Jr., where he said they're kind of philosophically opposed. They just don't believe in trading. They, why would you trade picks, your picks that will make your team better, to another team that make them better? Do you know what I mean? And I think the mindset has changed. You have to give them credit. It has become more aggressive. Um, but you have to ally you know, their smart moves, which they've made, into just dial up that aggression a little bit. That's what I'd like to see. Maybe investigate some trades. Uh, certainly a few free agent signings. We've gone through the position groups where we think needs improvement and, and, and would help this team really uh, get over the hump there. Um, but we'll see. All that fun. All that fun is set to take place, certainly from March 15th. But uh, we've got the combine coming up. But from now until then, uh, we, Nathan and I are going to go and take a little break. Uh, it's been a long season. It's been a fun season. And uh, we'll be back in a, in a couple of weeks. We do have some guests lined up, which is very exciting. So stay tuned for them. We await news about Lou. I'm sure you'll see all that on social media. Um, and we shall see. But uh, until we speak again, dear listeners, take care of yourselves. It won't be too long, don't worry. Just literally a week or two. Uh, we'll be back soon. Um, but yeah, it's a who day from me. And a who day from me. Cheers, guys.
And it should also be noted that the views and opinions expressed within this podcast do not reflect those of the Cincinnati Bengals organisation.